whether I'm a threat to them or not, who knows? Uh, people probably didn't think I was a, a threat in 19 either, uh, but it kind of turned out okay. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. It's the Masters Commute. It is, well, when you're listening to this, it's Wednesday, but we're recording this on Tuesday here live at Augusta National Golf Club in the media centre in a really cosy little soundproofed room that's a bit like the broom cupboard for those of you of a certain vintage that remember children's telly back in the day. So Michael McEwen here, thank you as I say for your time and thank you to Callaway as always for their support of this. I've drafted in yet another special guest. If you listened to the Masters Commutes last year, you'll recognise his voice probably straight away. It is of course Luke Cardenine from Golf Digest. Luke Hello, welcome. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me back. I'm very excited. Well, to be you here. made such a huge impression on us and our listeners last year. It was a no-brainer. We just had to get you in again. The people were clamouring, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, where's Luke? Bring him back. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. people have spoken and they, well, we've granted their wish, haven't yes, we? Yes, exactly. You're welcome, Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? You well? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm a little bit, little bit less jet-lagged than I was yesterday. So I feel like I'm, I'm settling into the master's rhythm now. And you know yourself what it's like. It's a long build up. The preamble is huge, but you know, we're, we're getting there slowly, but surely. Yeah. It's always these, it's funny how these majors really, there's just so much chatter and they just sort of inch along to the starting yeah. line, you know, which is a funny thing. Cause then, you know, there's all this talk and all these questions and all this hype. And then the tournament begins, which is quite a funny feeling I've always found yes. because you're not actually making progress in the whole scheme of things. You're just getting started. <laughs> exactly. It's like starting a marathon. You're a runner now as well. You, you enjoy your, your running. Bit. So you, you, it's like that bit when you're just walking slowly to the start line and you're like you've already covered two miles by the point that you get there and you think god i'm knackered and then oh, yeah. you have to run 26.2 after that so <laughs> that is masters week ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in <laughs> look it's, it's tuesday this is one of the busiest days for those of us in golf media at a major championship but particularly the masters because they front load all their press conferences into the tuesday yeah. and wednesday's reserved for fred ridley yeah. the, the chairman there's a lot happening today, though. What's been the biggest talking point for you so far today? It's so funny because usually I feel like with the Masters, there's always maybe one or two storylines that really pop up. But this year, there's like a bunch. Mm. I almost feel like Tiger's flying under the radar a little bit. Like, of, of, of course, he's here. But, you know, the big Tiger story was last year, right? Coming back, nobody sh was sure how he was going to look, if he was going to play, all that kind of stuff. But we've already gotten a taste of him this year. And, he, and he's back now because that's sort of what's expected. Um, then the conversation has sort of shifted to the live stuff. But everybody seems to have been sort of, relaying the party line of downplaying it everyone's getting along this is the masters clearly buying that i'm buying it a little bit i would say <laughs> um i i don't think the live guys are quite sticking to the same unified script no. as the rest of the guys but um but then you got all this rory stuff too it's, it's, it's so i can't quite i'm not quite sure what to make of it really mm. i'm not quite sure what the predominant like angle is for this masters so far you mentioned tiger so let's go there he was in the media center earlier on today he was making some interesting comments, though. One of the things he said, well, listen for yourself. I'm, I'm going to play you a clip of Tiger's press conference and see what you think of it. It's just the appreciation of being able to play the game. Uh, I know I've, I've said this before with uh, 
prior to you know my back fusion, I, I didn't know that I was going to be able to play the game at, at any kind of level. I was able to do that and come back and play and happened to uh, win a major along the way. Then uh, obviously with, uh, with the accident, uh, it's been a, been a tough, a tough road. And again, it's uh, the appreciation to be able to play, play this game. And then to be able to come here and play uh, at Augusta National, it's, it's such a, a special place and uh, it means so much to me in my heart to be able to come here and, and, and play this golf course and uh, just appreciate the memories that I've had here, uh, whether it's in competition or the practice rounds or the stories. Uh, there, there's so many of, uh, so much of my life has been here at Augusta National. And again, um, just so excited to be back here and be able to compete and play. Yeah, I, I don't know how many more I have in me. So the, just to be able to appreciate the, the, the time that I have here and, and cherish the, the memories. So there we go, Tiger saying he's not entirely sure, Luke, just how many more of these things he's going to play in. It was a minor miracle last year when he showed up. It was a minor miracle again when he made the cut. Now he's back. You, you said it yourself. There's not the same, same buzz about him. He is flying under the radar. What did you make of his appearance in front of the media today? Yeah, I thought, I, I, I always thought that Tiger's been very much talking about, oh, you know, I'm an old man now. I can't twist and turn. I'm in pain. But I think Tiger is secretly thinking he's feeling pretty good mm -hmm. about his game or rather as good as he possibly can feel with his game. I mean, I think it's interesting. We've seen Tiger really evolve so much the past few years because a few years ago, Tiger was very much struggling to come to terms with the fact that he wasn't going to be the same Tiger Woods anymore. I mm -hmm. think he always sort of had this lingering thought, oh, well, if I can just get my back sorted, then I'll be able to swing just as hard and hit the ball just as far, and I'll be able to do all the different things with the golf ball that I naturally want to do and can do, and I'll be Tiger of old again. The knee injury really, really changed that, mm -hmm. I think, for Tiger. Yeah. I think, and ever since then, we've heard a completely different Tune. You've studied Tiger swing in great detail. What's the single biggest change that you've seen in Tiger since he's come back from obviously the car accident mm -hmm. and the, the adjustments he's had to make? What have you noticed? Yeah, so the, the biggest thing I've noticed is that basically Tiger Woods can't turn as well anymore um, on either side of the ball. Can't make as big a turn on the backswing, can't as make as faster turn on the downswing. What that means in practice is that he's basically just hitting the ball more with his arms and his upper body, you know? So um, not to get too technical, but it means, you know, he's hitting down on the ball slightly more. He's putting a little more spin on the ball. While he used to be able to sort of turn the ball over, he can't really hit draws as much anymore, especially off the tee. He kind of slaps these spinny cuts into mm -hmm. play off the tee. And he still has a decent amount of speed because he's spent a ton of time in the gym bulking up his core, bulking up his upper body, his arms. Um, and he's really just relying on those. You know, he's mm -hmm. relying on his core, his arms and his wrist muscles. He's so, a man of two halves, isn't he? When you look at him <laughs> from, you know, waist up, he, he still looks strong and powerful. Waist down, can I use the term spindly legs? Yeah, I mean, it truly. feels like that's what he's got, doesn't it? Truly. And he's, and what's interesting is that he's not even trying to really like use his lower body in mm -hmm. a really active way anymore. He's just written it off. He says, you know, I can't do it. I'm not as mobile as I was. I just want it to try to not be too painful and to be relatively mobile. But it's going to be my core, my big muscles in my core and my arms to be able to control this golf club. Is that potentially a good thing, though? Because we, we've heard Tiger talk in the past at length sometimes about the, the need of explosiveness and to keep up with the bigger hitters on tour. 
but now he's been forced into just playing, as you say, a little bit more within himself, which has eliminated that big miss that Hank Haney wrote about so, yeah. so in such detail a few years back. I think so. And also, when you consider the fact that Tiger Woods can't practice like he used to, I don't know if if Tiger was trying to do all these different things, hit all these different shots, yet can't really practice them. That doesn't necessarily seem like a formula for success to no. me. It seems like if, if you struggle with pain, if, if you can't if you don't have a bunch of time to practice, then what you should do is try to do one thing really well. And that's basically what Tiger's doing. He's saying, you know, I can't do X, Y, and Z, but I can do this. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to do this really well. And that this is hitting the ball with his arms and his upper body and accepting that, you know, the ball flight may look a little like more slicey than it usually does. Mm-hmm. But He's Tiger Woods. He's an all-time greatest thinker. He can still putt. He can still chip. He can still win if he can get that ball into play. And I can't imagine there's really anybody in the in the field this week who knows the course better than he does. Certainly nobody in the field this week who's had the success in this golf course that he's had. He does it all the time, doesn't he? When he shows up, he says, you know, I believe I can win. I think he stopped just short of saying that today, but he did point to the, his experience and the fact that he knows the course that well as a little hint that, look, I, I might be broken. I might be beaten. I might be 47. I might be playing seldom, but I can still do it around here. In your opinion, Luke, what realistically would constitute a good week's work for Tiger? If if he finished in the lower half of the top 10, I think that's an extremely good week. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think a realistic good week is top fifth like latter half of the top 15 i think that it's really hard to expect more from tiger at this point i mean i know he's called tiger woods and you know the greatest one of the greatest players to ever play the game but i think reasonably if he could rack up a top 15 finish like credit to him because that's really hard to do firmly agree and of course there's the, the point on tiger that he's never missed a cut here as a professional yes he did it once as an amateur but he has that proud record to maintain as well i wonder how much Something like that even motivates him. Yeah, it's a good question. I I often not to back up too far, but I often wonder how pros how much pros think about stuff like that generally. I feel like you know pros they live such a solitary existence. <laughs> they do, you know, yeah. they wake up, they eat, they go to the gym, they go they go to the range, they eat again, they go to the gym again, they play, and they just do the same thing. Um, and they think about how to get better at golf day mm-hmm. after day after day after day, and then. Tiger Wood shows up on Tuesday before the Masters and they said, well, you know, what, what would it mean to you to miss a cut here for the first time? Or do you think John Rahm's a worthy number one? And, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a fascinating question. Sorry, I'm kind of waffling Not because all, I don't no. know what he thinks. But he's a guy that's been motivated by trophies and records and all that sort of stuff. But okay, making the cut and or never missing a cut at the Masters as professionals, not exactly something you'd stick on a CV as decorated as Tiger's, but... As he gets older and, you know, he has to concede that certain things aren't going to happen. 18 majors, 19 majors, potentially 83 PGA Tour wins. I wonder just how much those things continue to light the fire, the the competitive instincts that still burn within him. And it's probably one of those where Tiger's pretty old school. You know, he's kind of a (laughs) sneaky appreciator of history. Um, So I could see him... Like, I don't think you're ever going to present Tiger a record and he's not going to be impressed by his own, Very true. By his own conquest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Loads more to come on today's Masters Commute with Michael and Luke Cardinine coming right up after the break. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? 
A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in Performance from Callaway. Welcome back, part two of today's Masters Commute in association with Callaway. Michael McEwen here at Augusta National Golf Club, joined by Luke Cardinin. Look, this is a question that I saw somebody pose on social media and I thought it was absolutely sensational. I'm throwing you under the bus because I've not given you any warning Ooh. this is coming. But we've all seen pros driving up Magnolia Lane. They, they all like to, to share that video on social media. More often than not, they tend to be listening to something as well. They've got some music on in the background. So the question is simple. If you were in that position, what's the tune that you would be playing? Oh, that's a very good question. I've been getting into a lot of the throwback stuff recently. You know, I'm a dad now. Yes, so now I'm getting yeah. into all the dad music. As is Pepper my Pig life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some Bluey soundtracks. Oh, I love Bluey. <laughs> it's Bluey's really, amazing. It's really very good. It must be said. Yeah, my. Let's see. I don't know. I'm a bit of a. I'm a. I'm a bit of a. So, I mean. It's boring, but I like the Beatles a lot. Uh, but I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably throw in like a like a Queen soundtrack. Yeah, not, not oh, a, not choice. A, yeah, not a We Will Rock You. I think that's a bit too on the nose. Seven know? Seas of Rye. Maybe, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Maybe Kill a Queen. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, you know? yeah, why not? One Vision. Mm, that would be good. Another good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, uh, let's see. I don't know. Any numbers? I'd throw it back is, yeah. is the... It is the overriding theme, I think. I'd love to see how the green jackets would react if you drove up, like listening to Alter Bridge or something metal like that. <laughs> Can you imagine? Maybe Fred likes that. Well, you could just turn around. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not needed here at Augusta now. You're not welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But speaking of Fred, I noticed a, a really interesting stat. I was talking yesterday on the podcast with Ewan Murray from The Guardian, and we were speaking at length about Sandy Lyle, his farewell. And I noticed today that in the 1977 Walker Cup match, Sandy Lyle representing Great Britain and Ireland, he played his singles matches both days against the same guy, lost twice, two up and, or two down rather, and he lost five and three in the second day too. Fred Ridley, wow. chairman of Augusta National. Look at that. So there you go. That's a little nugget. <laughs> if nothing else, Luke, you've learned something coming on the show today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good trivia question. I for know. Sure. I know. Yeah. I like that one. Anyway, look, we could talk about Sandy Lyle's defeats and metal music and Beatles and definitely Bluey. We could talk more about Bluey at length. Uh, just one quick note on Sandy Lyle. Oh, I, yeah. Go you for know, it. So I grew up just like idolizing Nick Faldo, mm -hmm. idolizing him. And, um, you know, there's nothing Nick Faldo couldn't do in the in the mind of young <laughs> Luke Kennedy. But I've always found it so interesting and underrated the fact that, at least in Nick Faldo's mind, it was Sandy Lyle was the guy who did all of this stuff first. Yeah. You know, it was Sandy Lyle who won his masters before Nick Faldo. And he was the guy that Nick Faldo wanted to be. And yeah. I think, you know, we fast forward to now and Nick Faldo has his six majors and is on the broadcast and all this stuff. But I just love thinking that it was trying to keep up with Sandy Lyle that made Nick Faldo. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird major career. Again, I spoke about this yesterday, but two wins, two other top tens, and 51 missed cuts and 100 starts. It's, it's slightly bizarre, mm. but what a guy. Seve said it best, didn't he? You know, if everyone was playing golf to their best, then Sandy would win and Seve would be second. He called him the greatest God-given talent in history, which is quite the, quite the accolade. <laughs> 
Let's talk about Rory, mm-hmm. someone who's well on his way to, to joining the greats that we've just mentioned. An interesting press conference with Rory today, as they, as they always are. He's a very candid, very eloquent and generally very interesting interviewee. He's a great subject. What did you make of what Rory was saying today about particularly the, the career Grand Slam stuff? And, you know, he's it's like he's trying to compartmentalise it and not think too much about it but he's also willing to use the scar tissue of close shaves and meltdowns that he's had here in the past to be the, I guess, the fire in him this week. Yeah, it's funny. Rory Rory just thinks about stuff so much, you know? Too much? Yeah, probably, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it's funny. I was convinced that Rory was going to do really well this year. It's always hard to know if they're going to, like, win, because, but he has just been playing out here so much the mm. last month. You know, he's come out here for twice for two different like two day stints i believe 81 holes yeah just an unbelievable amount and i thought well you know clearly that's a sign of a guy who both really wants it and also a guy who's just preparing preparing and um i was talked out of it by a friend of mine who said you know i think that there's a point where you can over prepare because and justin thomas actually alluded to it in his Mm -hmm. press conference today and i thought that was really interesting where basically you know you play a hole with no pressure on you all the time you know you you drive your you know you hit your drive into the fairway it's great shot yada yada and then you it's this huge amount of build up the tournament starts nerves get going the blood gets flowing and suddenly you hit a drive and it goes left and it's like suddenly oh this isn't supposed to happen i was i never hit the ball over here and it's it's something i think we can all relate to on like a personal level when it comes to playing golf but i think it's very true with golf that Rory's just been playing out here and been playing well for weeks now months Mm -hmm. now years in many ways but it just i don't know i could see him hitting a halfway decent shot that gets maybe unlucky and all of Mm -hmm. a sudden it's like oh not this again and you know he's so thoughtful that sometimes you know, you can be too smart for your own good. Hundred percent. Spiral into a why is this happening? This I don't usually do this. I can't believe I made this mistake. And it's just you know, there's just a lot of scar tissue mm-hmm. there, and he's trying to use it. But you know, it's going. It's just it, it doesn't necessarily become easier over time. And he did say that that you know he he's well aware that it's not a physical issue that's held him back previously. It's always been a, a mental or emotional problem that's prevented him from getting over the line. I think. Perhaps understanding that and recognising that flaw, mm. if that's the right way of putting it, does that not make it harder to fix it? No. Because it's it's coming from somewhere within that maybe he can't necessarily control, but it just suddenly manifests. As you put it, it's like, oh my God, that just happened. I hit it left. What? You know? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I always think that, you know, Rory's sometimes too, a bit too smart for his own good, I think. And, you know, in some ways I feel like Rory is at his best, like we saw Sunday last year, when he's just kind of throwing caution to the wind mm-hmm. a bit more. And he's just being a little irrational in the way he plays golf, a bit like a young Phil Mickelson. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil yep, Mickelson went through phases where he was trying to play smart and lay back, and he always defaulted to what made Phil Mickelson play his own best golf, which was being a little reckless because that helped him focus more. As mm-hmm. weird as it sounds, right? Like, he's just... He, Phil Mickelson plays his best and focuses a little more when he's a little more aggressive. And I think that Rory operates in a very similar way in his approach to golf, where he actually is at his best when he's not being the mature, smart, you know, the, the mature, smart, like, let's play safe mm-hmm. here. I think what that looks like with Rory is what we saw on Sunday at St. Andrews last year. So true. Yep. Just a guy who's playing too safe because he's trying 
uh, he's trying to be something he's just inherently not. Mm -hmm. I think Rory rises to challenges. That's what gets him going. That's when he's at his best. And that's what I would like to see him do a little more this year. Like, sure, you can think about all the mental stuff and the scar tissue and stuff, but ultimately, like, just go aim at that. Pin. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Take the same approach to putting that he spoke about in his press conference today to the rest of his game. Mm -hmm. He said that Bob Rotella, who I think has been the single biggest improvement in Rory's game, never mind clubs or anything else or technique, Truly. Bob Rotella has made for me the biggest difference in just quieting the mind a little bit. But he has told Rory to just putt like you're a six year old. Mm. You know, you're when you're six years old, you're not thinking about line or reading, you know, anything like that or studying the grain. You just go by feel and instinct. Yeah. You're quite right. That's when Rory, that sort of shot maker, that artist, is at his best when he's not thinking about anything else. Yeah, exactly. Just playing by instinct. I mean, like, and Rory, in you know, look, listen, like Rory has his ups and downs, his game, but I think Rory, at his best, is better than anyone else in golf. Mm -hmm. Right? I think he hits his driver better than anybody else, and I think he can just sort of catch fire in a way that a lot of other players out there don't. More so, so I, than John Ram. <sighs> John Rahm's so good. I mean, he's so rock solid from tee to green. But I think, I don't know, I think firing at the best, I think Rory just has a little more top speed. Yeah. Him, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, Rory gets so obsessed with, like, limiting the downside risk mm -hmm. of that that sometimes you just got to accept that, like, maybe it's worth, you know, maybe it's worth leaning into you being a bit more aggressive because you've got a little more straight line speed than everybody else mm -hmm. and accepting that occasionally that's going to mean, you know, a dumb bogey. But I just, I don't know. I think that Rory's path to peak Rory and a green jacket is him just throwing caution to the wind a bit more. He was out there today for nine holes in the company of Brooks Kepka. An interesting move because of the, the live and PGA Tour dynamic. It felt like a bit of a, a seminal moment, if that's not overstating it, to see the two of them side by side. There was another interesting twist to this whole live business earlier today. It was reported in the Times that the DP World Tour has won its case against the was it 13 live players who are challenging the DP World Tour's right to sanction them for playing on the, the Saudi-funded circuit. That hasn't been made official yet. No one at Liv said anything. The European Tour, rather DP World Tour, have been very quiet and said they'll wait for the official announcement, which we gather could come on Thursday when the first round of this thing's getting underway. Very quickly, Luke, your, your thoughts on that and the implications potentially of a DP World Tour win in that case? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I think part of the pitch to these players who joined the live tour was very much one of like you know these tours are all going to fall in line for you it's not going to get ugly what's going to happen is you're going to be able to have your cake and eat it too you're going to be able to get your big guaranteed you know your guaranteed money and then everybody's going to fall into place we're all going to come together we're all going to sort it out and i just don't think anybody was anticipating the level of resistance they're getting from majors from the world rankings from the dp world tour from the pg tour everything so i think you know it's it, part of this is a product of the modern player is just surrounded by yes men mm -hmm. telling them what they want to hear but i think it's just we keep getting this signal from the courts from the market that <laughs> you know that this is a this is a trickier proposition than perhaps they signed up for for me I don't know if it's a win for the DP World Tour because Rory Reid in Dubai earlier this year was just 
phenomenal theatre. We're now not going to get that yeah. on the DP World Tour, which is a product that, if anything, feels like it needs enhancing. So where are those players going to go? Presumably the Asian Tour. And if that improves, then it starts to challenge the DP World Tour. So yeah. I, I, I feel sorry for the DP World Tour because it's almost an invidious position. They can't win, yeah. right? You know, if, if the decision goes against them, then, you know, that's a very public rebuke of them, if you like, in their attempts to sanction those players. If, as it appears, they have won, then they end up with everything I've just described. So it's a, a strange one. More more losers than winners, it feels like, with yeah. this whole thing. Now, I th the one thing I find fascinating about the Live Tour is that, you know, last summer there was just this drumbeat of almost like football transfer news, <laughs> yeah. you know, where they were signing yeah. players and, wow, look at this and look at what's happening. But now they kind of run into the reality that a lot of teams do in any sport where now they have a bunch of contracts on their books and mm -hmm. they can't necessarily get rid of these contracts. So listen, in theory, like could they pump up the Asian tour and could that challenge the DP world tour? In theory, yes. But in practice, like they've, to my eye at least, got a bunch of bad contracts on their books. Mm -hmm. Guys who aren't really playing their best, maybe past their best, guys they can't get rid of. You know, you go out and sign a Graham McDowell type, you know, all credit to Graham McDowell, mm -hmm. but you know, you've got him on your books now. What are you going to do? You can't cut him. Um, and, exactly. And yep. that's all that's going to accomplish, even if they did do something like that, is discourage players from wanting to take the live bait to begin with. So I think in practice, what they were hoping, what, what they're hoping for is a path to legitimacy, right? Yes. That yep. is the live, if the live has, if the live tour has a sort of tunnel to survival in the long term, it's being legitimized. Mm -hmm. And at every turn they're getting thought at that hurdle mm -hmm. and this is yet another one right they just can't quite punch through into the mainstream of professional golf I've spoken think. like a true range goat if ever i heard one <laughs> <laughs> do you have a team have you got an allegiance yet i used to i used to quite like the name the talk team yeah but then they changed their logo so i believe they're now torque torque I, I, I gather but yeah. we'll see. Cliques, i don't know i it's all it's it's fascinating time yeah. to be a golf journalist <laughs> isn't it just isn't it just and this week promises to be as fascinating as ever look thank you so much indeed for your time before you go very quickly who's the winner going to be on sunday oh scotty scheffler's almost too obvious um <laughs> i quite like colin morikawa oh to be it's honest. a great show i think 25 to 1 is what i last saw him at um, really yeah i mean that feels like free money i know uh so i like him a lot He's got a great putting coach in Stephen Sweeney now. He's mm -hmm. done a lot of great work with him. Turning a bit of a corner after a bit of a, a, a mini slump last year. It yeah. looks like he's getting back close to his best. And so. like, you can always do worse than counting on a really clever player like Colin Morikawa. Absolutely. You heard it here first, ladies and gents. Luke, thank you so much for your time. Where can people hear more from you on Twitter? What's the handle again? Yes, at Luke Curdenine. So if you type in at Luke K, I'll probably pop up because <laughs> I don't blame you for not wanting to spell Curdenine. Um, yeah, or at Golf Digest. I'm kind of constantly writing articles. Fantastic and great stuff it is too. I highly recommend you go and check it out. Thank you, Luke, for your time. And thank you to you for listening to Callaway for their continued support. We will be back with another Masters Commute tomorrow. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye-bye for now.